Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and especially this week, education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And if it's a new year, and it is a new year, happy 2018 all, it's time for a new legislative session. We, we heard a little bit about a Goldilocks economy. We had kind of a surreal, almost, you know, fantasy world moments in a uh, AP legislative preview this morning that we attended. 2018, the political year is off to a um, an interesting start. It, it all feels very appropriate with the legislature about to come to town, doesn't it, Kevin? Yeah, it, 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 there is a certain you know surreal aspect to it all that uh, we're, we're back again. We'll have another legislative session, and um, well, we got some glimpses of, of some of what uh, will be discussed on a substantive level, but. Uh, it's it's going to be a wild ride, I suspect. And let's talk about that wild ride. Let's talk a little bit about the surreal nature that you're alluding to. Uh, here it is Friday, and we, Kevin, you and I just came back from the Associated Press's annual legislative preview. That's an opportunity for the press and really the public, if they're interested, uh, to meet with the governor, to meet with House and Senate leadership and get sort of that last preview uh, before the big State of the State address. Uh, which comes up on Monday, January 8th, and coincides with the opening of the legislative session. That I haven't seen a press conference like that, <laughs> I don't know, ever. Um, wh- what did you think? It, it was interesting. Uh, just to kind of bring people up to speed about what we saw today and what we have seen in the past here. So this, this AP legislative preview is something that uh, our friends at the Associated Press have, have put on now for a decade. And the idea is to get the governor in front of reporters and to get legislative leaders in front of reporters to talk a little bit about the session and the issues that are going to come uh, during the session. And that, by nature, is kind of awkward, especially for the governor. Butch Otter has always been very assiduous about trying to avoid scooping himself and getting out ahead of his state of the state address. And he's not the first governor to, to talk like this. Governors really like to hold those uh, policy details close to the vest, do a big reveal the first day of the legislative session. It's when they uh, do their state of the state address. It's when they release their budget proposal, which really is the the meat behind the policy uh, proposals that come out in the state of the state. So there's always a a bit of a a fan dance, if you will, between reporters who want to get more detail and governors who want to try to avoid giving details. So we all kind of know that those are the rules of engagement going in, but this one was strange even by those standards. Uh, I think that the governor had to have had just a giant smile on his face when he walked away from that thing. I was looking at my watch, and it was like 41 minutes into an hour-long press conference before Otter really took just a general uh, field, uh, just a general question from the field. He, For 40 minutes, he succeeded in distracting the press corps, putting shiny objects in front of them, limiting his talking points. He oddly gave a platform to Lieutenant Governor Brad Little, and it was not lost on anybody in the room that Lieutenant Governor Brad Little is running for governor this year. And has Otter's endorsement. And has Otter's endorsement. He brought Dean Cameron, former state legislator now from the Department of Insurance, up to talk. Bob Geddes. Uh, Bob Geddes. It, two former state senators. So there's kind of an old home week aspect to it. So the, the rough chronology this morning. Uh, Otter does take the podium promptly at 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, he does uh, give some introductory remarks, and some of them were reflective and nostalgic. And Okay, I get that. It's his last year as governor. It's, I expect that his state of the state on Monday will be reflective and nostalgic. I, I understand that. 
Uh, so some general comments then uh, turns it over to Bob Geddes to talk a little bit about uh, the state's plans for the Hewlett-Packard campus, which uh, state agencies will share with the company. That went on for several minutes. Then we had this kind of long presentation about an executive order on healthcare, and, and this is an important issue. I'm not trying to diminish it. it, it there's stuff there that our reporter friends who cover healthcare are going to want to unwrap. Brad Little spoke at some length. Dean Cameron, the, the head of the Department of Insurance, uh, spoke at some length. Then we finally got to questions at about, like you said, about 9.40 or so we got to questions. And a couple of the questions, predictably and appropriately, were focused on this healthcare executive order. So we finally got into more of a general Q&A at about quarter to 10. I, I managed to squeeze in one question about education. One of like four <laughs> questions that were asked total. Yeah, I mean, we, we got in one question about education. And I do get into it in my story today uh, about the higher education affordability issue. Uh, the governor actually wound up talking more about the higher ed CEO proposal that we've spoken about and written about. So... Yeah, it was kind of a strange performance and kind of a strangely structured and it was a strange. Strange is probably the best way to put it. But if the governor was concerned with not scooping himself, uh, I think he succeeded admirably. Mission Uh, accomplished. He, He did say that he will have a positive message on Monday. So, you know, spoiler alert, positive message coming on Monday. Yeah. Um, But it it sort of underscores... How weird of a year 2018 might be in general, right? And we heard some of this from leadership as well, but sessions are always a little dicey, always a little weird, sometimes more contentious uh, than not. But when legislative leadership, and when we talk about leadership, we talk about mm-hmm. like the Speaker of the House and the pro tem and leaders of the, both the Democrat and the, and the Republican Party, uh, they were talking about some of the fallout from last year is really what was dominating uh, their look ahead to 2018. We talk about infighting within the Republican Party. We've already heard uh, calls from the more conservative members of the legislative party. They call themselves liberty legislators, but yeah. suggesting that if they don't get their way, they will go after the speaker's head. Uh, and that was an interesting question that Speaker Bedke took. And I thought that right, his body right. language uh, responding to that question said volumes more than the words that came out of his mouth. He looked... Combative. Combative. He, yeah. he looked like he's ready for a rumble with legislators if legislators want to come after him and come after his authority as speaker. So if uh, if you thought that uh, the hard feelings and the tensions of 2017 have all gone away with the new year, I kind of doubt it. And, you know, it was interesting to watch because you had this um, this panel discussion with legislative leaders so you had uh, House Speaker Scott Bedke sitting next to uh, Matt Erpolding, the uh, the House uh, Minority Leader, who I think, uh, as leader of the Minority Caucus, I think he he kind of enjoys and kind of relishes the role of being a little bit of a provocateur sometimes. <laughs> when that question about um, temperament came up, uh, he predicted that it's going to be kind of like the OK Corral. And... You could tell that Bedke was a little bit chagrined <laughs> at that uh, at that assessment. He he was, you know, he tried to be good humored about it and said, "Well, I, I think you mean, you know, you know, okay, corral and shootout in quotes, and that this will be all all civil." So I, it was congenial, but you could tell that, uh, you know, Bedke is not coming into the session uh, in particularly a a patient mood. And that some of these legislators, these these liberty legislators are coming to town with a definite uh, uh, 
maybe a chip on their shoulder too. So I think that, uh, you know, especially going into an election year, uh, tensions could be high. Uh, patience could be somewhat limited. Tempers could be short, um, which makes for good theater and makes for good copy. But, you know, there, there's also a lot of a lot of policy stuff still hanging fire as you go into this year, too. Yeah, I think that's the context that everybody should keep in mind that this is a big election year. Every legislative seat will expire. Legislators, especially if they're facing a primary, are going to look to score points uh, this session and or, bring that back to voters. Or, or even more to the point, we heard this talked about in the panel with the legislative leaders. Some of these legislators are not you know, seeking re-election to their old positions. They are seeking yeah. uh, higher office. They're running Looking for Congress. Climb the ranks. They're running for lieutenant governor. You name it. You've got folks who are really trying to make a name for themselves and establish their brand uh, on a statewide level. And, you know, you know, let's face it, uh, politics is often a platform for, for posturing, especially in an election year. So it's going to be a wild ride, I suspect. Yeah, I, th I think we'll stay busy all year. But I do want to talk about an article that you published on Thursday this week, and I want to steer back to some of those policy issues mm -hmm. that you yeah. mentioned are, are hanging fire. You had a great article uh, on Thursday of this week talking about 11 questions uh, that the legislature either will or won't answer. Um, but those are some of the issues that we're going to be looking forward to uh, within the education and then the, the budget issues, right? Uh, walk us through uh, a couple of those, because yeah. some of those even came up today at this press conference. Yeah, some did come up today. Uh, one on the higher education front is this idea of a chief education officer, the CEO, the uh, person who's going to be charged with trying to find ways to save money within the higher education system, try to consolidate some of these uh, administrative functions, whether it's IT or personnel or procurement or what have you, and, and try to save some money by consolidating those services and um, applying the savings towards other initiatives like scholarships for students. Uh, Governor Otter broke some of his own uh, protocol and kind of stepped outside of his own uh, cone of silence this week and said that he will push for a higher ed CEO. He will present legislation. That's one of the big issues, I think, coming into the session as far as education is concerned, and particularly higher education. This is a uh, this is a proposal that we don't really have all of the details yet. We don't know how that's going to be structured. I know legislators are probably going to want to see those details and, and vet that out. Uh, business leaders who have talked about this proposal have said, you know, it might cost $2.5 million a year to set up an office of a CEO. That's uh, an amount of money that may get some attention with some legislators. Well, and if that's, that's one of the big unanswered questions in this session. And especially if in an election year, if that is positioned by opponents as a $2.5 million expansion of government, mm -hmm. uh, that might have a, uh, that might be a hard path to passage. If you're trying to run on uh, credentials of fiscal conservatism, you may say, look, I don't think we're going to save this kind of money that you're expecting to save, uh, and we're going to spend $2.5 million to try to save it. I'm not going to go along. I, I could see a lot of debate about that. Um, Especially when you've got legislators and you've got some candidates who are going to try to position themselves as, as fiscal conservatives who are going to look for any any savings that they can wring out of the governor's budget to apply towards tax reform. That's still one of the big unresolved issues. And that came up today, too. 2018, I talk about that in, in my story from Thursday. When the governor was asked about tax reform, he declined comment. He shut down the question 
you know there's going to be debate about taxes this year, especially when you've got candidates uh, trying to burnish their own conservative credentials. The tax issue is going to be a huge issue this year. Uh, Speaker Bedke mentioned it in, in, their, in the legislative panel. Um, the governor didn't talk about taxes today. I don't know how much he'll talk about taxes on Monday, but he's a veteran enough politician to know that we are going to be talking about taxes a lot this legislative session. And if there's an issue that could keep this legislature in town well into uh, late March, early April, you know, taxes is always going to be on the short list of those kind of, uh, showstopper issues that they keep the legislature in town. And we got another signal uh, on tax issues that could go along with uh, keeping the legislature in town. Uh, during kind of an interim committee meeting I was at with the Revenue Outlook uh, Committee, the, the group that's of lawmakers that starts to take the earliest look uh, at the budget uh, projections and the revenue projections, they were talking about how Idaho needs to uh, wrap its arms around what the effects of the federal tax reform mm-hmm. package are going to yes. be, how that's going to affect uh, the state of Idaho. We heard that briefly mentioned again uh, on Friday, and so conformance uh, with the federal uh, tax cut package that was just approved, how that will affect Idaho, how that will affect federal revenues, that remains to be uh, seen. And, and then, like you said, we're likely to see our own uh, local Idaho version of uh, of a tax cut. Right. Bedke said right, as right. much. Right. The, the tax issue is really going to be interesting this session because usually state conformance with federal tax code is, you know, it, it comes up every year because federal tax code always changes to some degree. And usually state conformance is kind of a, a formality because yeah. there really isn't that much to conform with. There really isn't that big a change. This year, we've got this huge tax overhaul that was passed late in the congressional session that, you know, you know, I, I, state budget analysts are going to be trying to wrap their arms around and try to figure out what that all means. So conformance with the federal tax code is going to be a complicated issue. And I think there are probably, <laughs> probably, I think there are certainly legislators who want to take a run at state tax rates, whether we're talking about income tax, whether we're talking again about the grocery tax, the sales tax on groceries. And we're going to have tax debate at this legislative session to a to a huge extent is going to be perhaps uh, the issue of the legislative session. Yeah, and, and that's why we watch these budget uh, and tax and revenue and, and, and policy debates. On the surface, you think, oh, what does this have to do with education? It really has almost everything to do with education because each year, uh, public school spending, education, uh, is the largest state expense in its general fund budget. When you throw in higher ed, it's something like 60% almost uh, of, of all spending. And, so and, if, and that's why you spent Thursday hearing and hearing about the Goldilocks economy, as uh, some people are describing it, and, and, and why the economic health uh, of the state affects what may ultimately wind up happening in terms of education budgets, tax policy. You know, that's how you spent your Thursday uh, listening to what you know, would normally seem like some fairly dry academic economic reports, but they're important stuff. Yeah, and like you said, the Goldilocks economy, that you know, playing off the popular fairy tale, not too hot, not too cold, just about right is how several different analysts were. That was kind of their assessment of both the state and the national economies. Uh, no red flags or warning signs in the uh, 
the near future to worry about. And so that uh, that should give uh, legislators some optimism about investing in state programs. And look, we already know that Superintendent of Public Instruction, Sherry Ybarra, has called for increasing state spending on K-12 public education this year uh, by something like 6.8%, $113 million. And one of the largest aspects of that new spending package would be a fourth year of raises uh, for teachers, uh, for educators under the career ladder salary law, something like $46 million that she's hoping that the legislature will free up as part of its effort to continue to make good on what was couched as a five-year pledge to increase teacher pay, right? Right. And and a healthy economy, a Goldilocks economy, that's going to mean different things to different legislators depending on what their priorities are. You know, some legislators may look at that and say, well, definitely we should put the $46.6 million into uh, the career ladder, uh, the next phase of the career ladder. There may be legislators who are going to look at it and say, we still have teacher retention issues. You, know, you wrote about that last month, the report that the state board received. So I think you'll have legislators saying, hey, wait a minute, we may need to be doing even more to try to make sure that we're hanging on to teachers and recruiting uh, good teachers. Uh, and if we have a strong economy, maybe we have the money to do that. Other legislators are going to say, well, wait, if we have all this money, this is the year to to try to do a tax cut and Mm -hmm. try to return some of that money to the taxpayers. So you've got that classic tension between investing in state programs, not just education, but obviously that's the area we focus on, the tension between investing, uh, expanding programs, and the, the tension, you know, between tax rates and trying to reduce taxes and trying to, uh, uh, keep tax rates low. So you, you've got two very different and sometimes very competing uh, values at, at play. Yeah, there's no spending gimmies in a conservative yeah. legislative environment, even in uh, what looks to be a healthy economic uh, in, environment. But uh, we're going to know a little bit more, like you've talked about, we'll know a little bit more on Monday. That's the governor's state of the state address. We'll, we'll be covering that uh, and we'll be writing about that and, and providing an analysis and, and letting people know because uh, the governor is going to put forth his own budget request right. on Monday. Right, and that's where we will be on Monday. Uh, you know, We'll hear the governor's State of the State address. We'll also get uh, details about the budget proposal. So we will have all of that on our website at idahoheadnews.org on Monday. So follow us for complete coverage of the State of the State address. I'm also going to be on, well, we're both going to be on public TV this week. You're going to be on Idaho Reports on Friday. Uh, kind of setting the stage for the legislative session. I will be on with the Idaho Reports crew on Monday doing instant analysis on the governor's State of the State address. So so watch Idaho Reports Friday and Monday. Watch our website uh, today for coverage of uh, the AP preview for our preview pieces of the legislative session. Watch us on Monday for full coverage of the legislature's first day, and we'll be... Uh, We'll be there swapping off coverage during the course of the legislative session, however long that may be. So keep an eye on uh, on us for coverage of the legislature. Yeah, we'll, we'll do kind of what we've, we've always done, which is cover the big meetings and cover the education policy initiatives that are coming out of the state house to kind of help you make sense of them and keep track of them as they sort of wind their way uh, through the convoluted uh, legislative uh, policy-making process. We'll be there. Uh, and we've kind of committed really that basically – this week on through the second week of May is going to be kind of the year of politics for us, and it's going to be extremely busy. And that's because mm-hmm. we have roughly 90 days, who knows, uh, with the legislative session. And then we've got these big, important primary elections 
uh, in May, right, Kevin? Right, right. I mean, obviously, we've got the, the race for governor. We've got a primary for state superintendent. Uh, congressional races that we're trying to follow a little bit more closely because of the importance of federal education policy. So we'll be continuing to roll that out, covering those races. You know, it's an election year for pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah. You know, Governor Otter being one of the exceptions, but there are, you know, this is an election year that uh, covers, uh, you know, covers a lot of uh, prominent players up and down the ballot. Uh, all across the state. So we will be busy uh, following the, the politics uh, of this 2018 session, uh, as well as trying to cover the, the policy end of the 2018 session. So it's going to be a, a different sort of a session for us to cover, and you know, it'll keep us busy for sure. And that's kind of the direction the podcast will take uh, for these next five months, too, is, is we're going to have regular coverage out of the state house with the education policy initiatives balanced with forward-looking coverage uh, looking towards the elections and trying to put some of these decisions in context for voters who are going to have to make some important decisions in May and then again in November. So that's kind of the form that the podcast uh, will take as well. We will uh, keep you up to date as we go on this wild ride uh, throughout 2018, uh, both online daily uh, at IdahoEdNews.org and then weekly every Friday, as you know, uh, at the Extra Credit Podcast. I think that covers a lot of what I wanted mm-hmm. to get to this week to kind of tee up the legislative session and talk about this uh, admittedly bizarre press conference that took place with the governor this morning. Are there issues I'm leaving no, out? No, no, no. I, I think that covers it. And, you know, you can go to idahoednews.org and read about all of this in more detail. I've got a full story from uh, the governor's uh, appearance at the AP Legislative Preview. Uh, you've got coverage from the the Economic Outlook Committee. I've got my kind of preview piece looking at some of the unanswered questions going into this 2018 legislative session. So get caught up by reading what we've got on Friday and then come back on Monday and see what we have uh, in terms of first day legislative coverage. And uh, you know, we'll be off and running for another uh, session at the State House. All right. It's going to be a wild ride, but we'll go through it together and we will try to make sense of it uh, as best we can. If you want to follow along daily, uh, one of the places where we break all of our news and post all of our stories is Twitter. You can follow at Idaho Ed News on Twitter to keep up. Uh, with all the goings-on out of the state house, We'll even live-tweet some of the big meetings, and I know we will be live-tweeting the governor's address on Monday, right. January and, 8th. And follow us, too, on Facebook. That's where a lot of the conversation happens on, on our stories. That's where we get a lot of feedback from you, our readers. So as we're covering the session, as we're kind of setting the stage for the session, and covering the session as it occurs, as it unfolds, if you have comments or questions or suggestions... Uh, a great way to let us know what you're thinking is to, uh, to weigh in on our Facebook page. We often have some really robust conversation going on there. Join the conversation. Yep. We're looking forward to hearing from our readers and listeners. All right. I think that wraps up this week's edition of the Extra Credit Podcast. We always have a lot of fun here and appreciate everybody coming along and listening along and, and, and following us. It means a whole lot to us. And we're going to keep up the Extra Credit Podcast. But uh, thank you so much, as always, for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Happy New Year. <laughs> and have a good week.